You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Football is right around the corner. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 or more on any football game. Listen up, because you know what? You don't want to miss this. You just head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. You place a bet of $1 or more on any week one game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. And don't worry, if Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. And for week one, DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at a $1 million top prize. So honestly, for me, nothing adds to the excitement of watching a game quite like having a free shot at a million bucks. So make sure you guys head on over, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game and get a free shot at a million top prize with your first deposit. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Welcome to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast, your trusted source for all things San Jose Sharks on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Floor. Joining me, as always, from beautiful, I believe, San Francisco, if I'm not mistaken, editor-in-chief of San Jose Hockey Now and my co-host, Shang Peng. Shang, how you doing? Great. Uh, beautiful and uh, under 70 degrees. Yeah, and I believe the AQI is much better. You know, you know, big shout out to the uh, fire department out there getting control of those fires statewide. And uh, yeah, it's much easier for us to breathe outside now. So big, yep. big thanks to them out there putting in the hard work. Folks, we got a, an, another amazing interview lined up for all of you today. Christian Eklund, father of William Eklund, is going to be joining us to talk about being a big YouTube and TV star in Sweden. And of course, tell us, you know, amazing stories about William growing up. Uh, but, you know, before we get into that, we've got some Sharks news to cover for you all involving Ivan Chekovich departing for the KHL. Uh, so we're going to touch on that a little bit. But of course, the bigger news, you know, all the rumors surrounding Tomas Hurdle and basically everything that's going on around there. So that's actually what we're going to start this episode off with. And we're not going to wait any further. You've already heard enough from us. We're going to we're going to get this puppy started right now. So we're going to go ahead and paint the picture for everyone that's going on right now. There's been a, a ton of rumors surrounding Tomash's hurdle contract status. You know, anything that's going on right now in the locker room, there were 
you know, alleged rumors of, you know, how he's reacting to how the Sharks are handling the Evander Kane situation. You know, Shang, he's coming into his contract here. He's a year away from, you know, UFA status. He's one of the better Sharks on the team, if not the best Shark on the team, non-statistically speaking. Are you surprised about any of the uncertainty that's uh, surrounding Tomas Hurdle right now? Yeah, on one hand, yes. I've written before, I think the Sharks see Hurdle as a culture driver, a leader, like a Logan Couture, like a Joe Pavelski, somebody that you want your young players to look up to. You know, he's a guy that you build around, not just on the ice, but off the ice. And so even where the Sharks are competitively, and, you know, they're not very good right now competitively, <laughs> it wouldn't have surprised me if they gave the max the hurdle as early as possible just for those reasons that, again, you know, a guy that you build around, not just on the ice, but off the ice. But then, though, you know, on the other hand, the Sharks, you know, maybe they're also in a wait-and-see mode with hurdle. Uh, source has told me, and I wrote about this uh, yesterday, Source told me that the Sharks have not engaged with Hurdle on an extension talks. Um, and, you know, that's, to me, it was surprising at first to hear. But then when I thought about it, though, this kind of wait and see with Hurdle is actually quite in line with basically everything that they've done over the last two years. Are you talking about... Just how they've approached contracts, or are you talking about just the overall? In like, so what do you mean exactly when you say that? Well, when I think about what Doug Wilson has done to try to build around this team, add to this team over the last two years, and you know, this team uh, obviously saddled with a bunch of underperforming long-term contracts. Uh, they've struggled, and I've been waiting for Doug Wilson to show his belief in this franchise's core. That's something that he said consistently over the last two years, right? Uh, he likes the bones of this team, you know, meaning the bones, you know, Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, Mark Edward Vlasic, uh, Hurdle, of course, Logan Couture, Vander Kane. You know, he likes the bones of that team. And I can't argue with that if this was 2017, right? Those are all guys who are delivering and all very good players, still great players still in 2017. Uh, and so he says that, and so it makes you think that, okay, that he's still seeing these guys through kind of that uh, rose-colored lens or whatever. But then, though, you actually look at what he's actually done, and he hasn't made a significant investment in this core over the last two years. And let's, you know, let's look at all the kind of the big moves uh, since the Sharks fell off the map uh, during the 2019-20 season. So, okay, so going back to that. So they start the season with big expectations still. They had just signed Eric Carlson. They were coming off a Western Conference final. So obviously investing in Carlson, that's a huge statement that eight years, $96 million, I'm sorry, $92 million. It's a statement that you believe in the San Jose Sharks and in their short-term future as a contender. Obviously, things go to shit. Uh, Peter DeBoer <laughs> gets fired, right? So, yeah. okay, so now let's let's move forward to the 2020 trade deadline. Yeah. What did they do? They trade Barkley Gaudreau and uh, Brendan Dillon, who is going to be a UFA for draft picks. I'm not saying that, that was a bad trade. They got good value for those guys, but again... Okay, you're letting go of good players for guys that aren't going to help you for, for a while. All right, so that season ends. You need a goaltender to pair with Martin Jones after that dismal season. The solution, though, is Devin Dubnik. You know, a decorated goalie, yes, but a decorated older goalie coming off an awful season. And all they traded for him was a fifth-round pick, so that kind of tells you what his value was. 
Okay.、Mm. So another f- hole for the Sharks after the 2019-20 season. They need forward depth, and lo and behold,、uh, the free agent market it's filled with bargains because of the pandemic. What do the Sharks do? They take a flyer on Ryan Donato. They trade a third for him,、uh, and they sign a 41-year-old Patrick Marleau and a fourth liner in Matt Nieto. All these guys, more or less,、uh, I guess, say for Nieto, who just was kind of what you expected him to be. But all these other guys, Dubnik, Donato, Marlow,、uh, you can say that they all flopped in 2020-21. So let's now look at the 2021 trade deadline. Okay, right on that day,、uh, April 12th, I think it was. The Sharks are just four points out of a playoff spot at that point. So this is a position where teams in the past that have believed in their core, they've added to it at that time because they believe that, oh well, we just need to add a top six score or add something to our lineup to make it to the playoffs. And then you never know once you make it to the playoffs. Yeah, the Sharks have been one of those teams in the past to do that. You know, being only four points out. Right.、So. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that wouldn't be、uh, a strange occurrence for the Sharks to to do that. But instead,、uh, they add no veterans of significance. And they go young the rest of the year. Okay, so、hmm. now we're at this recent、hmm. off season. <laughs> Need a new goalie, right? Same same problem that they had after 2019-20.、Um, they can make a big splash and solve all their goaltending troubles by signing, say, a Grubauer. Not to say that it's a guarantee that he would have solved their problems, but、uh, he would have been a kind of a statement signing, right? Of course,、yeah. though, that will take. Five plus years of investment and a lot of money. I think Rubar's、uh, uh, AAV, you know, ended up above、uh, five and a half or something like that. So what do the Sharks do? Instead, you know, they opt to trade for Aiden Hill and sign James Reimer, and both are given just two-year contracts. You know, this, this, you know, these aren't big-time investments. And I'll grant that they gave up a second for Aiden Hill, which is a you know pretty high price. But if you think about it this way, though, that second for Aiden Hill has probably been the biggest investment that they've made in a veteran、uh, in the last two years. Easily, right? And then look at who they signed for agency. I touched on Reimer already, Nick Bonino, Andrew Cogliano, all good players. But again,、uh, older players and also and all contracts no more than two years. Yeah, I mean, and just to go back to that Grubauer contract, he signed with、uh, the Seattle Kraken for just under six million AAV. He's at five point nine million a year. So, like you said, it would have been a huge chunk of change that would have had to have been forked over from Doug. But you know, all of these moves just kind of seem to reflect, you know, something that's not necessarily being put out there in the public. It's that it doesn't sound like a general manager that necessarily believes in the core that he has. Right, right. Like, if you really, really believe in the guys you have on your team, don't you invest the cap around, you know, around them? And the Sharks didn't do that last year. They didn't spend quite to the cap, and they haven't、mm-hmm. this off season. They still have about two and a half million dollars to play with. And, and yeah, correct me if I'm say, wrong, really、yeah. quick, Shang. He was given full permission from、uh, ownership to spend up to the cap to ensure that this team was competitive. Right. In both years, and so you know, this two million is not a lot to play with, but you can still do a lot for your team. I mean, just looking at the Sharks roster right now, to me, they clearly need a seventh defenseman,、um, another veteran defenseman in there. But anyway, that's a, a side though.、Uh, overall, though, all this tells me that is that despite what he's saying publicly, 
that he has the same questions about his core that everybody has right now. And, you know, that might be a sigh of relief for a lot of Sharks fans who are yeah. wondering why, <laughs> you know, why Wilson has, hasn't, hasn't blown it up yet. You know, you know, how come Wilson doesn't see what basically all the fans are seeing? And my point is that I think he is seeing it, but he is trying to be more careful. And I'll get to that in a little bit. So going back to hurdle, this is where the holding pattern makes sense. You know, it's not that Wilson has given up on the core of his team. He hasn't, you know, if he had given up on it, he would have traded Tommy Hurdle last trade deadline when Hurdle's uh, value was at his highest. You know, two playoff runs with Tommy Hurdle instead of just one uh, in this coming trade deadline. And also, too, uh, Wilson probably would have kept his second round draft pick instead of using it on Aiden Hill. But I do think, though, that Doug Wilson is in a wait-and-see mode, and he has been for two years in running. You know, it's worth noting, every source that I've talked to, and I talked to them this week, too, just to double-check, Hurdle was not avail made available at the trade deadline. He hasn't been made available this offseason. So I think that when it comes to the time that they trade a Tommy Hurdle, that's a mission from Doug Wilson that he has totally given up on his core and is rebuilding, even if he won't say that those words. <laughs> yeah, that's the forbidden but R word in San the, Jose. We've, we've talked word, about right? that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, to, to kind of summarize all this, so every veteran move he's made since the basically the beginning of the 2019-20 season has been, I would say, you know, middle of the road, straddling the fence, um, you know, hedging his bets. Basically, don't mm. give up too much and hope for the best from your big money players. Uh, but overall, though, he's been more seller than buyer. Yeah, I mean, that does make sense. You know, not committing to hurdle right now would make sense in that train of thought if you're still weighing your options with him, especially going into his contract year where, you know, if you believe that the pieces in Cogliano and Benino may help solve the problem as well as the acquisitions with Reimer and Hill, they may be able to solve the problem of getting over that hump of not being in the playoffs, which seems to be the the end goal that everyone seems to continue to talk about. So yeah, it wouldn't make sense to not necessarily commit to hurdle right now if you're still weighing those options. Right, right. I mean, you hope these deaf guys help your depth out. You hope your star players are a little better than they were last year. And yes, yeah. you lost uh, some value by not trading Tommy Hurdle last trade deadline. There's no doubt. But if Tommy has a good season, stays healthy, he's going to get a lot this deadline still. And this gives you more time to evaluate your core. I mean, why take this long? To evaluate the core, though. I mean, it, it's it's been going on for, what, two years now. We, we've already talked about it. I've talked about it on, you know, previous podcasts. Right, right, yeah. It's, it just seems like everyone has pretty much given up on it as far as, like, a fan's standpoint comes from. And I know if you looked at some, and I've talked about it before, the deployment of some of the Sharks players last season weren't ideal at all, which is why they brought in a lot of those debt players. But... You know, a lot of the fans, frankly, have already given up on this core. So why continue to evaluate it instead of just rip the Band-Aid off? Well, the way I see it, I think in the big picture, I think uh, Doug Wilson is trying to lessen the impact of a complete teardown. And, you know, precisely, like just for example, uh, let's say you try to tear down after 2019-20 season, the first bad season from the Sharks in a while. 
So you try to you try to you try to 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 uh, break that apart. But Carlson still has seven years left on his contract. Jones four, Couture seven. You get the point. How do you get yeah. rid of these contracts without? losing a ton of assets on top of it, you know, trading draft picks or uh, cap space, retaining salary, or if you buy out these players, just the cap space that you're losing, right? Yeah. Okay, Not so to that's mention the no trade or no movement clauses that right, and that's I guess some of these people too. have. Right, right. And then you have 2020-21, another awful season. But what happens? Another year is lopped off, say, a Jones contract. So now it becomes palatable to buy him out. You know, uh, it's the six-year penalty with Jones doubling his three years left is is better than the eight years penalty that you would have had if you had bought him out after 2019-20. And so the way I see it, Wilson appears to be trying to run out the clock on his big contracts. You know, what I call noble failures because they're all signed when the Sharks were perennially on the cusp of the cup. But basically, every year that passes... It shaves off another year of an underachiever's contract, making it easier to get rid of them, you know, while minimizing the cost to you. And you know, there might be some disagreement with that. You know, why not? Again, like you said, rip off the bandaid and yeah, eat a ton of salary, give up graphics, just do your best to start over. And I I get that, but I also get what Wilson is trying to do, where he's trying to. Not, you know, basically not turn the Sharks into, you know, a nuclear wasteland for the next couple of years and try to, again, run out the clock on these contracts and then start the, 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 the building process while losing, you know, basically shedding these contracts little by little, losing another year off of the Carlson contract, losing another year off of the Vlasic contract. Maybe yeah. after this year, uh, then you can, then it's more palatable to buy out of Vlasic, just for example. Yeah. Yeah, and I that, that comes along, and I, I have to bring that point up to myself when I watch the Sharks. You know, it, it comes down to proper asset management at that point, and I feel like he's going about it in the the least expensive way as possible. You know, some people try to look towards, like, the Senators and say, well, you know, they traded Eric Carlson off for a King's Ransom, and they traded off Mark Stone, and they were able to initiate that rebuild very quickly. It's like, well, none of those players had major no-movement clauses. None of those players had you know, very restrictive, no trade clauses. It'd be very difficult to get any assets. If not, like you said, pay up to get rid of those contracts. You're not really resetting at that point. You're just digging a bigger hole. So why not, like you said, you know, let's run out the clock. Let, let's run the ball and try to get these first downs to make a like a football reference here and see if we can't run this puppy down while keeping these picks that we would have to trade away. Um, trying to get rid of these contracts. So if we circle back to the hurdle, though, right, mm -hmm. and we're looking at this upcoming season, do you think hurdle is going to be a shark long-term? Why or why not? Uh, let me dance around that question first. Uh, <laughs> let me go back to what you're saying about Ottawa uh, trading out Carlson and Stone. And that's a good example of a rebuild. But the big difference there is that those guys were very tradable. Those guys were yeah. in their mid-20s. They weren't exactly. locked into expensive contracts at the time. The Sharks cannot trade the contracts that they have uh, you know, it's very difficult to, and, or most of these guys, at least, very difficult to without adding a lot on top of it. And so mm -hmm. anyway, uh, going back to Hurdle, I think it might depend a lot on where the Sharks are in the standings come to trade deadline. You know, can they reset, turn things around quickly, like 
the Canadians did? Or if they're struggling, like many expect, you know, then do you weigh what you can get for Hurdle, his appetite to stay on board a sinking ship, you know, all those things with Evander Kane, if they're true or not, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, he also is the most popular player on, let's, you know, say it frankly, an increasingly unpopular team. And so that may also factor into Doug Wilson's thinking. Uh, but honestly, I don't know right now. You know, I think if we're talking about for the very best move for the Sharks in terms of assets, obviously it is to trade a Tommy Hurdle, but there are yeah. a lot of things around that. And hey, the Sharks may surprise us and be a little better or a lot better than we expect. You know, I really hope that they are a lot better because it would make my life a lot easier. It's a lot more fun to podcast about successful Sharks teams. And you said it when we talked to Doug Wilson Jr. as well. Successful Sharks teams sell subscriptions. So well, I, I I'm think... excited to get to uh, week uh, uh, week 20 of the season. And just like last year, if we had them doing this podcast last year, uh, yeah. around April or so, we would have been spending uh, 30 minutes talking about the Sharks' 15% power play. <laughs> oh, so God. I'm really excited to get to that point again. <laughs> I feel like I'm having flashbacks. I appreciate the thought of that Dookie Brown power play that they had out there because it was horrendous. Uh, yeah, I mean, if if I could like summarize my thoughts on the hurdle situation, I, I think we hit the nail on every possible topic involving it. It, it it's all going to boil down to the trade deadline, like you said. It, it's really going to come down to where the sharks are at. Um, if extension talks have started or not, I'm sure they will have by then. Um, especially if they're a better team. But I mean, if if the sharks are bad. I don't see any way that hurdles on the team here. Um, there, there, are, there's a number of possible suitors, and I love how you know this isn't how I want the sharks and hurdles be in the news. But uh, yeah, there's just the thought of seeing him in a Vegas jersey. Honestly, I keep hearing about it, and I, I, I can't. <laughs> I, I don't want to put myself in that in that situation, but. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let me add something extra too. I, I know the other big thing that's out there is that uh, how the Kane situation, how the Sharks treat what's going on t uh, with Evander Kane will mm. affect Hurdle. And I wonder about that just because I, I wonder how much one rotten apple and Kane can affect things. Um, yeah. You know, if, if, if he really is a difference, if a Kane is really the difference between Hurdle coming back or not, and you want Hurdle back, then it's that's an easy choice. Keep Hurdle, and no, I know you can't trade Kane. You may not want to buy him out. Then bury Kane in the minors. Then if that's the if that really is the difference, you know. Yeah. Uh, because otherwise, if you trade if you trade uh, uh, Hurdle and keep Kane, and Kane is a you know pernicious influence on the locker room on the youngsters. Um, then that doesn't that's not good either obviously no. you, know, you know even if he's still scoring you 20 30 goals or whatever so anyway i don't know I, I i'm not sure if that would be a deciding factor because again like and i'll talk about this some, some uh, maybe next week i i have some thoughts about this um i don't know if the situation with evander kane is how do you say uh, the what, irreparable was, was the word that was used, right? I'm not yeah. so sure about that. Um, and I guess I'll leave that as a teaser because I'm still kind of <laughs> forming my thoughts about it. And who knows, you know, and then, uh, you know, by the time we talk next week, they, they may trade a Vander Kane. <laughs> so I yeah. may never get to share uh, my, my thoughts with the world on this, but yeah, then um, the anyway, extensions though. lined up right after if that's seven mils off the books. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I think, sorry, go ahead. 
Oh yeah, no. So I was just saying that um, uh, I, I'm not sure how big a, a factor that will be in the end. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do some more digging on it and also think about a little bit more myself. Yeah, I think uh, you hit the nail on the head there. If the choice is between burying Evander Kane in the minors and or or keeping Tomas Hurdle long term to be that mentor for the youth, much like Joe Thornton and Pavelski were for him going through the organization, the the answer is clear as day. It's yep, clear as beautiful be water. I mean, it's you're always going Hurdle there, and like I will die on that hill with pride like that that's the choice i'm making 10 times out of 10 so i think that pretty much sums it all up right now as far as uh currently the state of tomas hurdle and and where he's at with his sharks you know it's it is what it is at this point only time will tell how this how this kind of comes to fruition and you know me personally i want to see him a member of the sharks long term so let's hope that that's in the cards uh for the team uh you know up next we got a little news coming out of the KHL. Ivan Chikovic actually signed a deal with uh, HC Torpedo in the KHL, uh, which came as a little bit of a surprise to myself, um, mainly around the fact that it just came out of nowhere. Like, I, I almost had him for sure as like a bottom six winger, like competing with Barabanov, with all the other guys down there to try to be a productive member of the Sharks. You know, he didn't have amazing showings, but, you know, he had flashes of here and there that shows that if he takes that next step forward, he could easily be a productive member of the Sharks. So how did you feel when this, I don't want to say how did you feel, but like what was your reaction essentially when this news kind of came out? Or can you draw any conclusions as to why this kind of happened? Well, I would say that it didn't it wasn't as less left field for me because one of the things that was interesting to me was that he did not come to development camp. And of course you would say, Oh, Ivan Chekovic is a NHLer. He doesn't need to come to development camp. But if you look at who came to development camp for the Sharks, a bunch of NHLers came, right? Uh mm-hmm. Melnichuk came, John uh, Leonard Chemileski, John Leonard who played forty plus games in NHL last year, he came. And so I, I I was a little surprised by that and checking around on it. Uh, I asked about all the guys who didn't come to development camp that you expected, guys like Hataka, Tristan Robbins, yeah. um, you know, a couple of the, the defensemen that they uh, drafted, the Russian defensemen that they drafted uh, mm-hmm. in 2021. And for the most part, I was told, yeah, just visa issues, that sort of thing, right? Yeah, but, that was the main thing that came up, especially with Hataka. Right, right. Specifically Hataka and Robbins, too. Um, but... What I was told also was interesting. I didn't really follow up on it, but what I was told was that most of the guys that didn't show up were because of uh, uh, visa issues. Not all most. of them. <laughs> and You're like, so most. And huh? I, I, I started notepad. thinking uh, that that um, that that Chukovic maybe didn't want to come to Def Camp. Which isn't that big a deal if you think about it. I mean, like I said, like he was in Russia trading there, um, and so it kind of made me think though that oh, okay, so you know maybe he's not as quite on the program as everybody else. Let's just put it that way. Nothing wrong with him choosing to stay out there, but you know he's not like I said again. He is coming from Russia, which is different than coming from Massachusetts, where John Leonard, I assume, was uh, during the summer. But still, though, uh, you know John Leonard, forty plus games. No reason for him to be a dev camp, I mean, based on his NHL experience, at least. Um, so anyway, so that sort of made me think that there might be a little more something going on there. 
And okay. anyway, I, I, I've done some more digging. And from what I understand, Chekovich and HC Torpedo, they've been talking all summer. So this might be an out of nowhere thing for us, but it's not a <laughs> it's not an out of nowhere thing for Chekovich. And gotcha. it kind of makes sense too in relationship to him not showing up to Dev Camp because why go to Dev Camp if you're not coming back to San Jose, right? If you're mm -hmm. not trying to impress the San Jose brass uh, anymore. And so anyway, uh finally the the other question that I explored that I I wondered about was why not just loan Chekovich out to HC Torpedo like they did last season? And yeah, uh, Chekovich exactly. was right. He was amazing in Russia and, you know, came back with all these, you know, high hopes and expectations. So why not just loan him out there and not lose his rights? Because what the Sharks have done, you know, they've come to a mutual, uh, you know, a termination buyout. And so they've lost Chekovich's rights. Uh, Chekovich signed one year with a Torpedo. Chekovich comes back next year to NHL. He's a free agent. Anybody can sign him. Yeah. And so anyway, uh, I believe that this is where the 50 contract max comes into play. You don't want that contract on your books limiting you, you know, limiting your, your movement. And just and, as a quick summary, sure. uh, for those that don't know, you're only allowed as an NHL team to have a maximum of 50 contracts on the books. That's what Shang is kind of referencing right. to when he says that 50 contract max. Right, right. And so... Right now, of course, you look at the cap friendly or Puckpedia, and the Sharks have 50 contracts. So you, you say, so so you're thinking, oh wow, the the, the the Sharks dodged one by by you know letting Chekovich go. Actually, that's not quite accurate though, because um, the contracts that count in the end are the ones that basically the guys who are going back to juniors. You know, that's probably going to be Ozzie Weisblatt, uh, Daniel Gushin, Adam Raska, Tristan Robbins, maybe Willie Mecklin. Once they maybe go back to juniors, William maybe. Mecklin. <laughs> Once those contracts go back, uh, uh, you know, to juniors, then they don't count uh, as one of the, you know, uh, as as uh, uh, in your 50 contract max. So mm. let's take out the the four that I assumed there, and then you add uh, Noel Gregor, who's unsigned now, right? Mm -hmm. So you're at 47 contracts. So actually, they did have space to keep. A, a Chekovich and loan him out and see how he did this year uh, in the KHL and then, you know, opt to bring him back. Um, regardless, though, the flexibility is nice, you know, having these, you know, three or so contract slots available to you. Yeah. If you want to trade for a player in season or even add a free agent from now to camp, like I said, there's a glaring hole in the Sharks' defense in terms of yeah. uh, having another veteran defenseman. Um, but anyway, so I, I think uh, what it comes down to, though, is they had a space to keep Chekovich. Why not? Honestly, I think it's a calculated gamble on the Sharks' part. I don't think that they believe ultimately that Chekovich will come back to haunt them. You know, that's my guess. You know, if you if you think you have the next Artemi Panarin in your hands, you're not going to yeah. let that go, right? Not at all. You'd be a fool to let that go. Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got a player back at least, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But letting go and trading is a little bit different. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think you're right. It, and like you said, they have that that glaring hole and it's we talked about it on the last episode you know we talked about a uh, possible dev camp players that could fill in that seventh D spot maybe the sharks don't want to go that route maybe they want to go with that veteran addition and they need the flexibility with that contract limit to add those yep. depth players 
onto the roster. So uh, calculated gamble, like you said, not a problem there. I don't really have an issue with it there. I love Chekovich's play uh, in Russia. I loved his play in the Barracuda. seemed like every time he kind of went to the Sharks, he couldn't really find his groove. So who knows? Maybe he'll sign with the Sharks uh, after the season. Maybe we'll never see him again. You never know. Right. Yeah. No, that's so. definitely in the cards. You know, I, I was told as a side, and I added it in what I wrote about Chekovic that this was an amicable parting. And so if Chekovic does choose to come back, I, I don't think that San Jose would be eliminated. If Chekovic comes back and he is Artemi Panarin and can have his pick of teams, um, I, I, I think the, the Sharks can be in there for that. And so who, who knows? Maybe they even had a handshake agreement, you know, uh, coming out of it where uh, I don't know this for a fact. But it's possible where they terminate Chekovic, they let him make more money in the KHL this year, and they say, though, okay, if you come back, though, you know, you gotta, you gotta come back to us. So who knows? Okay, that's true. That's true. And you know, a little in-depth a- analysis here. I did see on his Instagram t- uh, story, they posted the picture of him coming on the airport. He mm-hmm. still had his sharks bag. So don't count him out. <laughs> Go ahead. And take he's a keeping look at that. that. He's keeping that. Yeah, he's yeah, never he returning that. That duffel bag's worth hundreds of dollars. There's no way he's getting rid of that. <laughs> All right, folks. I think it's about time. I think uh, I think this is a good spot for us uh, to get into the amazing. Honestly, it was. I, I can't wait for everyone to listen to it right now. Um, the just again speechless. Wonderful interview that we had with Christian Fimpen Eklund. And joining us today on the show, we have the father of Sharks 2021 first round draft pick, William Eklund, and Swedish YouTube star, Christian Eklund. Christian, thanks again for joining us today on the pod. How's your morning going so far? Uh, It's been a good morning here, so I'm uh, looking forward to this podcast now. Giving me a rest from all the stuff I had to do with the kids, so... Oh, this yeah. is a getaway. Are you trapped away in your closet? Just kind of like, no, leave me yeah. alone. <laughs> One of the kids' room, actually. So, did you tell the kids that you're going to have a three-hour podcast interview right now? So, yeah, even during the night. So, it's 24 hours off now. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, um, my first question that I wanted to ask you, actually, I want to ask you about uh, speaking of kids and a name that you got when you were a baby. Your nickname, uh, Fimpen. It was also the name of your Instagram handle, uh, Fimpen20. And I'm saying that that right, right? Fimpen? Yeah, Fimpen20, okay. yeah. Yeah, F-I-M-P-E-N, if you, any, you guys want to look that up. But anyway, from what I understand, uh, you got the nickname when you were a baby. And if Google Translate is right, uh, you were basically nicknamed after your grandma's ashtray. Yeah. So can you tell us the story, please? <laughs> well, she was a big smoker, and she always uh, put her butts in a... Uh, what do you call it? a big bucket? And uh, when my dad was gonna go out downtown, he just emptied that bucket of uh, bu- what do you call it? Uh, cigarettes and, and put me down there and, and walked downtown with me in a bucket and the, her <laughs> butt bucket, <laughs> cigarette butt bucket. So I got Fimpen is is a cigarette butt. That's a cool nickname. Uh, did you ever give William? Uh, a baby nickname like that? Did you think of calling him like Finpin Jr. or Cigarette Bud Jr.? I was sparing him that, so. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no one calls me Christian, actually. Everybody calls me Finpin, even my teachers, so. <laughs> I'm always scared when I hear that name. <laughs> Wait, well, Christian or Finpin? <laughs> oh, Christian. <laughs> yeah, you know you're in trouble, right? Yeah, right. I know. Should it's... we call you Finpin too? <laughs> yeah, you can call me anything. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, uh, speaking of your own uh, playing career, you know, you had a very impressive playing career yourself. Uh, you spent 10 years in the SHL. You were alternate captain with the uh, Gardens, and you were known as a kind of a relentless four checker and also for being a big time chirper. And so what's your favorite chirp that you can share with us? Ooh, and now you have to do it in English too. So, <laughs> so it's all the classics. We have three you know? hours here. <laughs> yeah, we have plenty. It's of time. all the classics. Like, <laughs> can I get to those teeth in white? You know, stuff like that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was always. We don't have fights here as you guys do, so you don't have to defend yourself after saying stuff. Mm-hmm. There you <laughs> so, go. So it's a lot of a lot of mental game when you're getting in their head. Yeah, and then that's too bad though. They. A lot of people want fights here, like because yeah. the league is starting to. There's a lot of head, head hits and chirping, and the games takes a long time. So, gotcha. some people mean that it's going to be better if we had fights. Hmm. You know, you say there's no fights in the SHL, but you're an, one of the all-time leaders for your garden in yeah. <laughs> in penalty minutes. How did you rack up all those penalty minutes? Well, a few fights. I had a few yeah. fights. <laughs> a lot of tens for talking to the referee, I guess. Uh, but uh, I've played so many years. and A lot of hooking in the offensive zone, so not the coach's <laughs> dream. There you go. And you do know that you have slipped outside of top five in your garden's history, right? No. According to quanthockey.com here, it has you oh. at number six with 495 penalty minutes. So who passed me? Uh, I believe it's Bjorn Nord. That's my buddy. He yeah. played. Yeah, he actually had sons in, his, in the same team with my other son. <laughs> well, I gotta check his data. Maybe you're gonna he... come out of retirement and yeah, take that <laughs> record back. <laughs> yeah, I have to. All right, you heard it here first, folks. The retire the coming out of retirement tour for Finpen is back on the yes, menu. Finpen's. We're gonna put yeah. his. Uh, we're gonna put his YouTube career stardom on hold. We're, we're we're kicking off the penalty minute record again. So <laughs> you have a month. You have a month to join William on the same team, playing the same line with him. Yeah, maybe I, maybe I try that. I don't think they want me now. Not with my uh, my new physical status. It's not like it was. <laughs> and yeah, do you, do you find it a little odd that William has you know grown to kind of be the opposite player of you? You know, he's flashy. He seems quiet on the ice, and it kind of reminds me a little bit of kind of a, like a Ty Domi and a Max Domi. And anyway, just how did that happen that he just became just a different player than than you know opposite player of you? I don't know. Maybe he saw me so many games and said, "I never want to be like that." <laughs> Uh, I, 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 I do think I see his work ethic uh, <clears throat> is similar to mine, but mm-hmm. you know, I think he liked, <clears throat> likes to play hockey. And what I did was I played hockey too, but it was a different style. <laughs> I think uh, he thinks it's more fun to have the puck you know, and deliver passes and stuff. And I would have done that too if I could. Yeah. If I could choose. But sometimes you come to a good team, you have to you have to learn your role and, and I accepted my role and gave me a lot of years in the highest league here in Sweden. That's good. That's good. You know, speaking, you know, going back to your playing career, you, you played with or, or technically for a number of Sharks players, you know, in your career, you were coached by Johan Garpenlov. You played yeah. with Nils Ekman, Marcus Ragnarsson, even, you know, 
former shark and most recently Marcus Sorensen and who could forget Douglas Crankshaft yeah. Murray, yeah. Uh, you know, among others. Do you have any, you know, fun stories you can tell any of the Sharks fans <clears throat> about, about maybe Douglas Murray or even Marcus Sorensen? Uh, I guess I have a lot of stories. I played with uh, Danny Boyle too. He was a big Shark guy, wasn't oh, he? Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 The lockout year, I think, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He showed us his ring when he was here. It's not <laughs> yeah. a Shark ring, though. That was the biggest ring I've ever seen on the Christmas party. <laughs> that was sick. <laughs> Everybody like banded teaspoons around their fingers to to have similar rings. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> for him. so so. Well, Douglas Murray, if you, if you guys haven't seen his uh, when he came back in 2010, I think, or 2000, I don't know. Your your guys' last strike. Yeah, that's 2012, 13. Oh, okay, mm -hmm. he came back. He scored one goal, and it was a sick goal, coast to coast, <laughs> and he he dumped the puck and it bounced right back at him and so he's and he scored <laughs> it was sick goal look it up on youtube Thomas okay. Murray is the only goal in all <laughs> we'll definitely wait so he scores coast to coast he puts it in and then the puck bounces off and hits him in the face no he he's, he starts coast to coast go, goes down for a dump and he shoots it hard but and the board is it oh. bounces back to him so he's all alone with the goal and he shoots it again and oh nice <laughs> he passed so, it to himself yeah it was he so played the carom perfect good. there yeah <laughs> that's awesome that's honestly great you you also played in uh germany in uh, 2005-06 and this is really funny you were coached by sharks prospect thomas bordelow's grandfather uh, pauline bordelow and apparently he wasn't a big fan of yours and so why was that i don't know we had a swedish coach, randy edmonds he was like have he talked swedish and mm -hmm. Yeah, he was almost half Swedish. He had a Swedish wife. So when he came in Bordeaux, he was more French-Canadian. So us Swedes were, of course, we were disappointed because mm. after half season he came. So I don't know. If, so he liked the French-Canadian more. <laughs> while Randy Enmus liked the Swedish guys more. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think he disliked me, but my playing time got fewer minutes. Okay, but still, I played in the, in the. I played a lot of, anyway, so I had no problems with him. But <laughs> it was better when we could talk Swedish. <laughs> Is that right, why you came that's... back to the SHL afterwards? <laughs> no, I, actually, my family wanted, didn't want to live there in Germany. Okay. We, were, we were a bad team. We bust like nine hours every every trip because we're down south in Germany. So they hated. I actually loved it. I would have stayed even with uh, Bordeaux as a coach because. I didn't have a problem with them, but you know they want to go home, and I love you, Gordon. So when they said they want me back, I went back. Mm. A true family so man. That's going to be the headline man. of of this podcast. Uh, Thomas Borrello's grandfather hates Swedes. So is that, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Was it kind of funny to you to see how great Bortolo and Eklund had that? Or sorry, not I, I say a last name because it's just how I think. How Thomas and your son William had just such great chemistry during that prospect scrimmage, and Thomas actually introduced the uh, the smelling salts to him there on the bench as well. <laughs> <laughs> it was a funny clip. Uh, I. I think they have a good good chemistry in the ice too, and it was funny. We laughed here when I bought low. I, I, I recognized that name, and it's, <laughs> it has to be that coach that I that I was yelling on when I played there. And it, it was, and it was. 
So it's funny. <laughs> That's destiny. <laughs> Crazy how some things work out. It'll yeah. Little, a nice little vibe there. So, you know, moving on to your your post-hockey career, you know, you're a well-known TV host, YouTuber, you know, content creator in general. Did you always know while you were playing that this is something that you were going to transition to? You know, did people tell you that, you know, you reminded them of Jeremy Roenick or, or Charles Barkley? You know, everyone knew you were just going to be on TV. Or did this kind of come up out of nowhere? You know, tell us a little story about how that transition happened. I don't really know. I, I knew I was a locker room guy. Like, I always uh, was loud in the locker room. And, and uh, I think I was a good teammate. And so... And uh, when they called me and I tried out, like I had one tryout for the for this role at visiting all the teams, I knew right away they said like you're the perfect guy for this, and, and that's and now it's just been four years so quickly, and now I'm there. I, I don't maybe I I wanted to do media like in the end mm -hmm. of the career I I would think that would be good for me. Maybe not an expert role because I. I'm not the expert. I, I want to be a funny guy. So this was perfect for me. Visiting team and old teammates and just walking around, around the locker rooms and being funny, trying to be funny. So That's awesome. It, it seems like you got that very like, you know, likability to you very easily, especially, you know, we've just met. But honestly, for me, it's it's very easy to see how you were that locker room personality or, or that media guy that everyone <laughs> just wants to kind of gravitate or gravitate to. Well, uh, thank you. <laughs> Not everyone, though. Not when, during my playing career, I was hated, but yeah. it's uh, I'm getting the love in the what do you call? It? In the, when you get it afterhand, I don't know what it's called in English. Yeah. Well, like well when you when you played, uh, were yeah. you sort of uh, for the reporters? Were you like the guy that, that they like to go to? You know, they might get a little something more from you than the other you know players. Yeah, for sure. But I, I scored. I never scored, so it was hard, hard for them to find the you know reasons to interview me. So during losses, like when no one scored, always me. When we would get always relegated, yeah. We, yeah, yes, we get a chance to interview Fimpen because uh, I never scored. And can you uh, tell us how many shows are you doing now? Because I've seen you do a YouTube show with hockey players. Uh, you also uh, do a show. I think this one's on TV, right? Where you travel to. Uh, to the other, like you mentioned, the other teams around the country. Um, yeah. So, how many? Yeah, how, how, like, what's your media empire like? <laughs> no, we have that big show on on, uh, on Betson's channel. It's called Fimpus Travels. Mm -hmm. That's that's a big thing. We go around different teams, the lower league teams, and yeah, everything. And then we started a YouTube channel just for just for fun. To yeah, we. Play with the yeah you've seen it with the the so the set was there right. and yeah they compete in a in a circuit uh, so that was just extra fun when we had time we went out with the cameras and just doing stuff but the big thing is on that Fimpus uh, Riesa channel mm -hmm. the Betson channel and then I have a few podcasts I'm going in right now actually talking about the SHL teams uh, and uh, yeah we have a few stuff going on okay. and okay. then we we do instagram content that's where we 
Right, right. Seen that too. Yeah. Once again, uh, Fim Fimpens twenty. So, uh, <laughs> can you describe your YouTube show to me though? Because uh, I I don't obviously I don't understand Swedish. And what I see is I see uh, players that I recognize NHLers doing skill challenges, then eating hot dogs. That's yeah. <laughs> I love hot dogs. That's why I wear this shirt. You know, it's a hot. It's a. It's a Swedish hot dog. Oh, there you go. Okay, yeah. with flowers. I got it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh, it's basically just a course with stuff, you know, dump and shades, uh, dump and shades, eating hot dogs, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, regular hockey stuff. I mean, and do it <laughs> as quick as they can. We, we try to make it funny. It's supposed to be a skill competition, but but funny. With you should this. bring Phil Kessel on that competition. I think <laughs> oh, he's yeah. be an expert. We don't have that he much would... uh, hot dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it's it's a funny experiment. We just wanted to try try it and see how it worked out, and it's funny to see them, and they like it. When they come, they get relaxed. All of a sudden, mm -hmm. they know it's a it's a funny course, not you know not skill competition. You have to. Be better than this guy. It's, now mm -hmm. it's funny because they eat hot dogs, they do push-ups, and they do you know, bag skate, and and it's a it's an easy thing to see NHL in in a different view. I mm. think. What's your uh, go-to hot dog? It's a regular one, just with mm -hmm. the French mustard and ketchup, and maybe roasted onions on it. Okay. How about uh, Williams? What's his uh, go-to hot dog? I don't think he likes hot dogs. No. He, no. he rejecting the family, the, the yeah, family no. heritage there. That's yeah, a that's sin. why he kicking kicking him out. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, he he's a wings guy. Oh, Me okay. Too, yeah, he did actually. say that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because when we were in Canada or even U.S., we always eat. I was there for like two weeks, and I think I ate chicken wings every day. I thought they were healthy, actually. I didn't take any fries, but then I looked it up, and every wing was like thousand calories. So what? What? Diet... What about them? Made you think that they were healthy? They're orange. Know, I, they're they're I, like I shiny. <laughs> I skipped the French fries. That's why you know. If I skip the fries, I can call home and say I'm healthy. But then, it, like three beers and twenty wings every day, oh, yeah. yeah, it uh, took a toll on my body. <laughs> so okay, so then I had to ask you about William and and, and chicken wings because um, after uh, the prospect scrimmage game, I asked him just like what do you enjoy about San Jose, and he said oh they had gone out to eat some stuff, and he said and I asked him what was the favorite thing that you ate in San Jose, and he said you know buffalo chicken wings, and I thought that that was the first time that he had them, but apparently this is a love that he's had for a long time, and he just carried yeah. it over over the the, the ocean. <laughs> we actually we don't have that here in Sweden. Oh, okay. which is so funny that, that sauce you know that uh, yeah. buffalo sauce the sour one we don't yeah. have it we have we have chicken wings but not yeah. with that sauce and that's so strange so every time we go over we we want to eat that all the time because <laughs> i i even ordered uh, that sauce uh, online to get yeah. shipped to sweden i don't know what, what it's called the, the orange sauce yeah the buffalo stuff yeah orange, shiny yeah, very very not healthy sauce yeah. <laughs> yeah so i drink it here now i know <laughs> what we'll do is we'll just do a trade finpen i'll trade you the sauce you give me some lingonberries Ooh, we'll yeah. just do the swap yeah. <laughs> right yeah lingonberries grow in sweden you know and then the buffalo sauce grows here, so it grows yeah. out of the ground here. Buffalo it's like oil. Here, so. You feed it from the buffalo. Like <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Let's um, 
let's kind of shift over to William since we we love talking about him so much. You know, <laughs> was there was there a specific moment that you realized that he was more than just a good hockey player that he could possibly make it to the NHL that he could be an NHL caliber player. Well, he wasn't that good. Like when he was a kid, he wasn't that good. As a, <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't really best in his team. But he always worked hard. And and, and uh, in the juniors, I guess when he was fifteen, sixteen, and he started to be he started to play for the national team. I thought it was that he, he could play in the SHL. Like if he, if he do his training and works hard, he could play in the SHL. But then in in uh, when he was eighteen or no, when he was seventeen, he's eighteen now. Like sixteen, seventeen, I thought he's something special because they put him up in a men's team and and he did quite okay. Then he knows he's a lot of work left to be. Playing in the NHL, the draft is one mm-hmm. thing, and and playing in the NHL is a it's a lot of work left. But uh, yeah. when he was sixteen and seventeen, I, I thought, yeah, he he could make it if he works hard. Have, have a lucky, and if he's lucky. And as you know, speaking of that, you know, it sounds like William was a little bit of a late bloomer. Uh, but you know, just for yourself and. Uh, you know, playing in your gardens as long as you did, uh, how proud were you? You know, that moment, the first time you watched your son, you know, play for your gardens. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was the first time I played uh, at home. It was the fans' day, so it was like eight thousand and three thousand in the stands. Like standing, standing crowd is crazy. The supporter was there, and yeah. And he bl- actually blocked the shot with his head, and that's <laughs> that, that's throw- from you. That's your game. Yeah, that's that, your stuff. He, he, <laughs> did had, uh, he didn't have ice on him. He had the, what do you call the oh the cage, cage, the cage. Yeah, he had a cage. Yeah. So he hits his cage, and that when he did that, I knew the fans were gonna accept him because okay, <laughs> he's a crazy guy. So yeah, that's my boy. <laughs> yeah, that's my boy. So that was the most proud moment when he did that. You know, it's. You know, speaking as a, a fellow father, I plan on hoping to be able to watch my son grow up and live out his dreams. You know, that's kind of my end goal. You know, that moment when William got drafted, what did that mean to you as a father? I was big, mostly because I know how how hard he worked during all those years. We he's standing in our garage shooting, and you know, all the time on the street playing street hockey and on the ice. All those hours that he put down just to get drafted, and now that was a part of his goals, and I was so proud. I was most uh, happy for him, actually, because I yeah. can see it was almost a relief, and he's like, now I've done this. Yeah. Next. So it was a special moment, and we're never going to forget it. It was a, it's a, big, a big and uh, hectical day. And after he got drafted, I, I joked with him that you know, now he can, you know, try to get Eric Carlson onto your show, but (laughs) let's, let's, yeah, (laughs) let's think beyond Sweden a little bit here, though, because, you know, when William gets it, you know, get to the NHL, uh, he can hopefully get any NHLer onto your show. So anyway, what NHLer would you like to get on your show? Phil Kessel, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) That would be expensive, but it would be great. No, I would, actually, if I I could choose, I would do it. The Fimpus Reyes, the Fimpus Travel. I'm a good go and look look at uh, the NHL lock rooms. Oh yeah, that would yeah. be great. And then, oh, and then we cool, have yeah. plans 
on doing it. We talked about it, and we hopefully we do it in two years. Mm-hmm. Go out and see all the rooms because that's what when William came back from the development camp is that you should see the locker room. It was crazy. It had burritos and stuff in the in the and chicken wings. Yeah, I know. <laughs> in the locker room, and I got excited. Like, so that's I would love to do that. Go around, mm-hmm. see how the team has it in the locker room and the arenas, and go to games. Oh, that's exciting. Hopefully that that can happen uh, soon. Um, and just yeah. uh, for myself to close off for myself, uh, just have to have to ask, uh, what's the most embarrassing story that you can tell us about William? Ooh, embarrassing <laughs> story. That was hard. I know he has. He's a calm guy. He doesn't do. He's so mature. Yeah, yeah. he's not like me. I would like. I could. Me and his younger brother are. We talk first, thinks later, but he's a thinker. He thinks first and then talks. So I don't have too much embarrassing stuff. Nothing, actually. even as a kid. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I can't just top of my mind. No, I don't know. We cried a couple of times. And you're, every kid does that when they mm, lose. Yeah, yeah. They want to win and then they cry and they cry and they like, but that that's not. Embarrassing, I think. No, of course not. Yeah. That's just yeah. wanting to win. So, so you have to give me. I have to email you that. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think if it was my other son, it was so much easier because he'd done everything. So maybe Shang will put that in the article when the podcast airs. You can go ahead and email him a nice story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can. I can think. I need more thinking time. He, of course, he does a lot. Of, he has done a lot of embarrassing things. But well, he had. In his school, he was, uh, I didn't know that, when it's Christmas pa- Christmas show in the school. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he went up and did, like, songs, like 80s oh, no. songs when he was, on a, him and his buddies, 12 years old, did a yeah. dance number. I was, what? <laughs> Never seen him dance. And it looked, uh, yeah, it was It was not, uh, he didn't have the groove. What do you call it? Better yeah. Yeah. player than dancer. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was better. <laughs> he didn't quite have the edge work that he has now. No, so. no, yeah. no, no. He was kind of stiff. Was know? he dancing to a little bit of? Uh, did you say uh, pop songs? A little bit of ABBA or something like that? I was. Yeah, it was like Swedish old eighties pop. They had like pink and and neon green and stuff on them and. I didn't know he was doing this, so I was kind of shocked. It was can, funny. Can, can, do you have the video, and how much yeah. do I need to pay you? I have the video. <laughs> you I give me the exclusive. You the <laughs> Please do. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send you as many as much buffalo sauce as you want. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, that's all you had to say was yeah. buffalo sauce. <laughs> then I have a lot of memories now when you talk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, William, is. Uh, he's also said that his 14-year-old brother, Victor, was a you know a better player than him at that age of fourteen? Is that true or? Yeah, I would say that he's uh, he actually went. He was elected for that TV Pucken. I don't know if you guys know what it is. The state championship now in Sweden, mm. which is nice. big. And uh, so I was with him this weekend actually. So he was elected for that, and yeah, he's he's a good player. You know, when the kids, if you have a lot of eyes, a lot of interest, you're good. It starts when you're like 15, 16. If you can put in the work, you gotta be good. But like when, if I compare them, when uh, he's 14 now, mm-hmm. uh, Victor is a better player. Like he's more skilled, but William has a great head. Like he's, but uh, yeah, it's hard to compare them. They're both, 
really want to win and and uh William might be more playmaker and Victor is maybe more goal scorer. Mm. So it sounds like you're raising a, a, a team there though, right? You have an eight year old son, I believe, you have a two year old and you yeah. have a, a daughter too. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a lot of hockey players here. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's been amazing. Thank you again for joining us. I know it's uh, really early over there. I hope you're able to get through your coffee and we're we're helping prep you for the lovely day ahead of you. Uh, Actually, you guys helped me because I <clears throat> didn't do anything. I, I didn't have to drop off to the daycare and I didn't have to do anything because I said them in the podcast. So <laughs> I've been go. sitting in this room like <laughs> nice. one and a half hour. So <laughs> you're like, if I want to come on next week, you know, yeah. just bring me on over. <laughs> I I actually told the the family now. I'm I'm here. At, Every Tuesday, I'm on a part of the show. Okay, now, so. every Tuesday, you're our guest, <laughs> yes. right? And I, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I get one hour uh, off then. So it's there we go. <laughs> Honestly, thanks again, Fimpens, for yeah. uh, for joining us and you know hopping on and chatting everything from you know your favorite hot dogs to you know just good hockey with us. Before we let you go, why don't you tell everybody where to find you on social media? Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all across the board. Tell them all where to find you. I actually just know my Instagram name is Fimpen Shugi. I don't know what I'm called on Twitter. I think it's Fimpen. Maybe Fimpen Shugi also. Uh, it was, we can, we, we can I bet that I think it's Fimpen 20, I thought. Okay. No? Yeah, Fimpen 20. Shugi is 20. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fimpen 20. So, yep. And on YouTube, it's just search for Fimpen. And it comes up a lot of stuff. A lot of bad stuff and some good stuff. So... You're either going to see videos of old ashtrays or phenomenal <laughs> yeah, <hockey> Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But <laughs> and you get the you get the idea what we're doing. It's but it's it's not the sub, no subs. So you have to learn Swedish. We'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> you just make sure you send us those videos of William. Yeah. And we'll yeah. send you the buffalo sauce. Okay. Yeah. It's a deal. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Christian. You have a great rest yeah. of your day. Yeah. Thank you very thank much. Thank you, man. guys. Huge thank you to Christian, or, or should I say, Fimpen, as he told us, in, you know, in the interview, uh, for sitting down with us to talk hockey. You know, really, should he actually be thanking us because we were able to grant him escape from, you know, the beautiful craziness that is being the father of a two-year-old? Because I know how crazy that can get. So we'll be getting your thank you card in the letter uh, along with the Lingonberries. Okay, Finpen, we, we talked about it. So, Well, Finpen, the only thank you I want from you is that video of William dancing to ABBA. Yes, yes, definitely. We will... We will be waiting for that. That's going to be an SJHN Plus exclusive, no doubt. So, But uh, jokes aside, just make sure you all go and give him a follow on Twitter and his Instagram. He mentioned it in the interview. Uh, and, and honestly, just beautiful man. Beautiful man. Just absolutely gorgeous family they have there. I'm excited for you know his son to come into the Sharks organization. He seems like he has the same work ethic and hopefully the same humor that his dad has. So... Uh, you know, before we close this out, I had one final note for all you Sharks fans out there. Remember, it's finally September. That means, you know, we're finally on the home stretch of the offseason. No more scrounging around to make funny photoshops of Eric Carlson. You know, we don't have to do that anymore. We have preseason games at the end of this month, so make sure you guys mark your calendars. We have training camp coming up as well. Shang, you're going to be doing crazy in-depth coverage of that as well. 
uh, over on San Jose Hockey now. I will um, be. Not sure if you're still going to do those Facebook Live segments that so many people see. <laughs> no, to love. this probably is, is filling filling the void. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how the time uh, works out. But I will be at uh, the rookie games in Arizona in mid September. I will be there at training camp. Um, I believe uh, right now that it would not that everything won't be zoom this year that that's 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 uh that's that's my belief we'll see and so yeah so we might get a little bit more back to normal coverage you're gonna have to dust off the old suit and tie uh, how long has it been since you've had to drag that puppy out of the closet <laughs> well that's nice i only had to wear those for games so game night so yeah but now true. i, I had to dress nice for practices now <laughs> All right, folks, that's pretty much going to do it for us here. Uh, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at SJHockeyNowPod. You can follow the network at HockeyPodNet. You can follow myself on Twitter at NickFloor underscore. Shang, where can the folks find you on Twitter? Oh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Shang underscore Pang. I just was looking up to see if uh, uh, somewhere in this interview that I shouldn't have said something. So that's why I was distracted there. So. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a long night. It's been a long day for us here over at the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. So you guys all make sure you stay safe out there. Take care of yourselves and stay hydrated.